This is Paul Schneiderman today on the 104th edition of Sports Untold on Rainier Avenue Radio. My special guest today is my Rainier Avenue friend and colleague, Renault Bean, also known as Pep. Uh, Renault is a co-host of the Great Lidline Sports Podcast, also on Rainier Avenue Radio with Granville Emerson and Otis Stevenson. Uh, Lidline is a very informative and engaging sports talk show that I recommend people uh, listen to uh, Renault. You're a veteran. I know you served in the U.S. Navy. I want to uh, wish you a happy Veterans Day, and we all appreciate your service. I appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, my podcast is also now on YouTube, on Amazon, on Spotify, and other networks. I awesome. people are welcome to go to SportsUntoldPodcast.com. You can also catch some of my interviews at my law firm website, PLSLawOffices.com. Well, uh, Pep, I appreciate you coming on Sports Untold on Rainier Avenue Radio. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. I always enjoy seeing you, and it's fun to fun to do a chat. Uh, How did you get the nickname Pep? <laughs> wow, that's a good question. Um, believe it or not, when before I was born, uh, they said I kicked my mother a lot in the belly. And one of their friends said, you know, he's a peppy little fella. And that's how I got it. I did not know that. It's been around since you were, even before <laughs> yeah. you were born. That, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Well, oh, I, yeah. I, I was wondering, I've known you for about four years now, but I didn't know the origins of your uh, of your nickname. Mm-hmm. Will Renault, some news just broke. I know you're a big football fan that Ornell Beckman Jr. has signed with the Los Angeles Rams. Do uh, you have any thoughts on that you can share? Yeah, you know, actually, I, I to believe, believe it or not, I actually expected that because, you know, Uh, Deshaun Jackson last week wanted out of L.A. And I figured, you know, when we heard that the issues with uh, OBJ and Cleveland, Baker Mayfield and all that rigmarole was going on. And, you know, then they decided that he was going to not be with the team anymore. And then, of course, they bought they made a deal to 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 leave the Browns. I the first team that I thought of was the Rams was probably going to be the ones to get him. And do you here we see, are. Do you see this signing, Renault, affecting the Seahawks' playoff chances anyways? Uh, not this particular signing, I don't think so. I mean, I think things were gonna, are going to play out the way they are uh, regardless of whether OBJ is in L.A. or not. Um, you know, L.A.'s, they're, gonna, they're still going to be good regardless. You know, no matter what we saw Sunday night, you know, every team has a little – little downtime or a little uh, attrition uh, we can we can speak on the Dallas Cowboys as well you know last Sunday and a lot of teams Buffalo you know a lot of last Sunday was pretty crazy as far a lot of as far as a lot of upsets so you know the Rams are probably going to be just fine uh, right now the Cardinals are the number one team in, in the NFC West so we can't forget them for sure. Yeah, Arizona's playing pretty darn well, for sure. Well, I'm in a fast track. I was going to get in the Hawks a little later, but since we're talking about Beckman, I, I'll make a little adjustment here. So Hawks are 3-5. and five. Yeah. They play Green Bay this week. And yeah. it seems like they're clustered with a lot of other teams with like 4-4 four and four and 3-5 and five kind of records. Um, yeah. Can you see the Hawks sneaking in, going maybe 9-8, and 8-9 eight, eight and this year? Do you, are, are you, do you have any optimism they can sneak in the wild card? Uh, they can, but, you know, because – you know, they got some teams that they can beat, you know, upcoming. You know, they're going to play Detroit. They're going to play Chicago. They're going to play Texas or, excuse me, the Texans. So these are these are teams that they surely have an opportunity to, to beat. 
Um, you know, and of course, when you're within your own division, uh, you know, those things can play out, you know, one way or the other. Uh, you know, they've already beaten San Francisco. They have yet to play Arizona. But, you know, those Seahawks and Arizona games, it doesn't matter where they are, whether they're in Arizona or in Seattle, uh, they're always tough battles. So, yes, they can sneak in. Uh, and if you've noticed, Paul, the last three weeks, their defense has actually gotten a little bit better. Uh, they've, they've actually cut down the yardage by over about 150 yards as far as what they were giving up from the start of the season. So, yes, they can, but it's got to start uh, Sunday. I mean, yes, Green Bay will be favored. And, of course, uh, they haven't beaten Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay ever. Uh, they haven't won in Green Bay since 1999. But if they're going to do it, they're going to have to do it now. Yeah, let's face this, Ronald. Tell me if you agree with this statement. This is just mm-hmm. not the greatest Seahawks team this 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 uh, last 10, 15 years. I don't know. I'm probably throwing out some too many packaging a lot of years in there. But so it, it's just not a top Seahawks team. Would you agree with that? It isn't. And, you know, it's especially on defense. It's, what, it's pretty def- uh, disappointing. Uh, the offense, you know, if you look at the names on paper, they should be much better than what they've shown. But, you know, unfortunately, uh, they can't stay healthy as far as a running back is concerned, Chris Carson. And, of course, uh, they were so high on the rookie D. Eskridge early, you know, in the preseason and, and, and during training camp. I've heard nothing but glowing things about him. Yet he plays one game, gets knocked on his behind, and he's, you know, he gets a concussion and he's out for the, you know, eight games. So that really didn't help. And, of course, we all know that Russell got hurt as well. And that, you know, put a little uh, flying ointment. So <laughs> it's going to be tough because now they got to try and get everything all together again. You know, Russ is coming back. Chris Carson's coming back. The Eskridge is supposedly coming back all at the same time. But yet they, don't, they, they haven't been able to gel yet. So this is going to be a real problem Sunday it's going to be interesting to see if they can get it together. I mean, you know, Gino did good work two weeks ago when, you know, he was throwing the ball to Metcalf and Tyler Lockett finally because they've got to get they got to get their targets. You know, they've got to be targeted. They got to get their catches, but the run game also has to help them too. So they don't have they don't have a big margin of error right now, do they? Being three they and five, yeah, with the season it's almost very, halfway over. Yeah, very yeah. slim. It's credit card slim. slim. Yeah, <laughs> very slim. All this credit card slim. Uh, Renault, I want to ask you about your background. Um, I know you you been a host with Dranville and Otis Stevenson, Midline Sports. Kind of tell us about um, how you became such a hardcore sports buff and uh, kind of how you broke into uh, sure. your uh, podcast uh, broadcast gig. Tell us about your background a little bit. Sure. Uh, growing up in Seattle uh, on Beacon Hill, um, you know, we played a lot of sports, uh, you know, I, probably much more so on the street than kids do today because we didn't have computers and Internet and all that. So when you do that, you kind of get interested in, in seeing the pro players on TV. You know, by, by the time I was eight, nine years old, I really started getting into uh Major League Baseball in 69. It's the first year that I remember actually really getting into it and following it and figuring out who's who. Um, but the Sonics, when they came in 67, 66, 67, 
I was already a fan. I was six, you know, and my dad used to take me to the game. So I was already hooked on the NBA. We didn't have an NFL team, but I started watching the NFL highlight show with uh, Tom Brookshire and Pat Summerall every Sunday. Oh man, I did not miss that. You know, I, I if I did, I was very upset. <laughs> so that's basically how I really got hardcore into following sports. And, and, and you know, I used to play, in this. I know this sounds silly, but I used to be in the backyard and I would play nine inning games by myself using a l- little bat and in some Reynolds wrap I'd rolled up and I would play uh, Detroit Tigers versus Boston Red Sox. And I would memorize a batting lineup on both teams. I would look at the paper, read the lineup, memorize it, and go outside and play it. <laughs> I was similar as a kid, too, or now doing make-believe uh, yeah. sports talk. I remember, like, in the late 70s, I'd pretend like I was Bob Blackburn talking about the Sonics, you know, with, with, and all that stuff. You mentioned yeah. 69. You remember the pilots then? Yeah. Oh, Paul. I was, man, I was definitely a pilot lover, you know, because, you know, it was exciting to me because to me, uh, well, of course, we had the Sonics. So that was our first, you know, real professional team, you know, in Seattle that, that, you know, that was, you know, in the NBA. So when we got the pilots, I was super stoked. And plus, I lived five minutes away from Six Stadium, Paul. So I could walk down there, ride my bike down there. And, 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 you know, going to, and I went to several games and I got to tell you this story. My dad took me to a game one night and it was the Seattle pilots and we played the Washington senators and the senators were blowing the doors off the pilot. It was like 11 to three, uh, you know, in, in, yeah, it was 11 to three in the fifth inning. And my dad looked at his watch and said, man, pep, come on, man, let's go. And I, you know, I was, I still wanted to stay, but I was like, oh, okay. We're getting killed. So the next morning, I wake up and I'm looking for the sports page. And my dad's like, "Oh yeah, it's over there." And I was like, "Dad, where's the sports page?" And he's not helping me at all, right? He's kind of like giving me one slurred, mumbled answers. I said, "Dad, where's the sports page?" He said, "Man, it's over there. I don't know." And so, so I asked one more time. And he pulls it out from underneath him. Said, "I don't think you want to see this." And I opened up the page, and the pilots won 16 to 13. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And, and I looked at him, and he said, Pep, I promise I'll never do that to you again. <laughs> never leave her like that again. I think no. Ted, and by the way, I think Ted Williams was, was, was Ted Williams the center's manager that year? Yes. Yeah. Yes, he was. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that's, a, that's a big big baseball name that came to Seattle. Well, I, I share that with people. I was born in 70, but I share with people. You know, I drive by the Lowe's, you know, Mount right. Baker. There was once a pro franchise that play there and the sale rainiers play there. there's a lot of history in that 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 site so yep and you um, know there's a plaque there on rainier avenue that says you know home of the former uh six stadium right right so, right so, i think in the Lowe's store there's actually i think they have where home plate was i think they have a little yeah. symbol i don't know if they still have that they did as of a few years ago this is paul oh, yeah. schneiderman the 104th edition of sports untold on rainier avenue radio with uh renault bean also known as pep um, I want to. We're just going to hit a whole bunch of subjects today, Renault. And I, sure. I want to get your take on this whole University of Washington football and basketball situation. On a wet Seattle day, it, it feels, you know, it kind of represents the wetness outside that we're you gotta, talking you about. You got to depress the, me even more. Yeah, I know it. I know it's just that the weather is sort of symbolic of what's going on with the lot with the pro, with those two major programs right now, at Washington. So I want to ask you about the, a few questions of the Jimmy Lake situation. So. 
What's going on now with with like college coaches? Is there is there no more margin of error? Are these coaches expected to perform like right away with amazing records and have no growing pains? Is Jimmy Lake in a way just encountering an era where that's those are the expectations? Yeah, uh, you know what? With again, what what the internet and and all these streams and and all these different uh, channels that you can watch right and, and and all this exposure you know kids see what's going on all over the country now whereas before you know recruiting um you only recruit in your area right but now kids are being you can able to, you can be able to recruit kids from all over because of the exposure of uh pack you know big 10 networks and pack 12 networks that you can see from anywhere right so these see where they you know possibly might want to go right and then of course the expectations of these power conferences you know uh, you know like the pac-12 and, and and the sec which is number one of course and, and the big big 10 big 12 all these power conferences you know winning you have to win now you can't wait you know you can't wait on kids to develop two and three and four years because as far as football, yes, most of them stay for four years because, you know, the NFL doesn't allow you to come into the league until you're a certain age or a certain amount of time. But in basketball, it's different because, hey, you might only get a guy for one season, you know, the one and done, which hardly anyone likes nowadays. But that's that's the nature of the beast right now. You've got to win now. And what as far as Washington is, is concerned, uh, they were blindsided by the, the uh, departure of Chris Peterson. Nobody saw that coming, right? I sure didn't. And so, you know, they had to hire somebody quick. And, you know, they wanted to get a guy that was already there. So they, they said, hey, this guy's a great defensive coach. Um, he's, you know, the kids bond with him. So, hey, Jimmy Lake, you're our guy. But this might be too big of a moment for him. Uh, he might not be ready to be a head coach of a power five school. He might be somewhere. He might be better off somewhere, uh, you know, some kind of middle of the road, uh, my, you know, Wyoming or something like that, New Mexico, you know, a school like that. But he's at Washington. And Washington is in competition with L.A. as far as getting kids, you know. And then Oregon with Nike, uh, I mean, they <laughs> – they, they recruit everywhere. I mean, this Anthony Brown is from New Jersey, right? So they got to compete with that, and that's tough. A lot that's there, good. a lot there. Uh, I want to remind my audience on Facebook, please feel free to comment. If you have any questions for Renault today, please feel free to uh, to offer a few questions. We're having a good discussion. Paul Scheimer, Sports Untold, with uh, Renault Laurent. Um a lot there. It just it, it just you would think maybe 15, 20 years ago there would be more of a three four year plan that maybe Jimmy Lake would have been given. But it's it's a tough situation. Right. You know, you and I follow each other on Facebook and we have some social media exchanges. And I don't know. I want to get your take on this. I I understand the more I look at the video that maybe Coach Lake could have been could have handled it a tad bit better. But in the context of trying to of the play and the penalty situation or possible penalty situation, 
I don't know. I thought it was a little overblown. Do, do you think it would have been fair if if Jen Cohn and the UW made a public statement? Look, we spoke about Coach Lake about this. We're, we're confident it won't happen again. Do, do people always have to be suspended when something goes wrong? I don't know. I'm a yeah, little old school. I, I don't know. Give me your take on it. Well, when I watched it, I was watching it, and um, what I had found out while I was watching it that he had been preaching about not getting into confrontations, right? Uh, it, you know, and things like that all week, and so this happened. So it's like when you have have children, right? And you go to the store and you give them the preamble in the car. Look, don't touch anything. You're not getting anything. And then you go into the store and they start touching stuff. What do you for, what do you do? You start snatching them. Right, right. That's what that's what he did to me is when he saw what was happening and what he had been preaching all week, he went over there and took care of that, got him, tried to get him away from it. Now, I didn't see the slap on the helmet. I honestly didn't see that. I saw him the push, but I thought that was okay because I figured he was mad and didn't want a penalty, you know, on him. I thought so too. Or or his guy getting kicked out, right? So that's what I saw. So, yes, I thought it was overblown. Uh, when all you know, all the hula baloo uh, exploded, and yeah, I would like to have had uh, Jen Cohen kind of uh, stick up for her guy too, you know. Other than just uh, say we're going to investigate, and then all of a sudden, you know, okay, well we're going to suspend you. Uh, and you know, to me, the suspension to me is almost like a neutral, uh, neutral thing going because now, um, are they going? Are they? Suspending him for this week, not and, and trying to decide whether or not they want to keep him for the rest of the season. So this one game to me seems to be more of a neutral, figure out what we want to do type of deal. So it, it remains to be seen what's going to happen. But you know, Granville has uh, stated on the show, and I'm not speaking for him, but he has stated on the show that he doesn't uh, see how uh, Lake can survive this. And you know, when you look at everything and, and all the factors. He's pretty close to spot on on that. So it's going to be pretty, pretty uh, hot deal to see whether he uh, either remains or, you know, or is getting uh, released. We're no, I don't out. know the inside situation, but it strikes me that Coach Lake is kind of in a purgatory kind of situation right now. Right. It just, it just looks like it's a tough situation. Now, after reviewing the video, I don't claim to have all the answers on this, but I think where Coach Lake may have gone too far is once the player's back was turned when he gave him a jab, I think when the back yeah, was. That yeah. may have been where Lake, if I were to find a mistake that Lake made. But but that all said, I don't know about giving him a suspension over that, but that's that, that's my two cents. And I'm big on protecting student-athletes. I think I point out to you online, there's a little hypocrisy because a lot of these big schools are not always interested in protecting student-athletes when it comes to... Uh, long-term health care and things like that. Uh, UW actually has a better program than some other schools. So there's a little bit of, there's a little, contra there's some contradictions to the whole situation too. Yeah, and we talked about this on the show uh, the other day. Is yeah. The, here, the fact of the matter is coaches can't touch kids. You just can't do it, you know, nowadays. You know, back back when, uh, you know, Woody Hayes and, and Bob, Bobby Knight were, were exploding and stuff like that. Well, those days are different, right? Because for one, the, there's cameras and, and video everywhere. So you can't do anything. But the fact that you as a coach, when you're recruiting a kid and you're sitting in that 
mother and father, grandmother, aunt, uncle's living room, you got to be able to let them know that their kids will be safe with you, right? So touching them or, or reprimanding them like that, it, who, who wants to go to a coach like that? What when you're recruiting a kid, right? Oh, I don't so disagree at all. I just think there's a broader context, as you pointed out, to yeah. why Coach Lake reacted the way he did. But yeah. um, hey, um, if do you see any scenario where Lake will be the Husky coach for the 2022 season, Ronald? Ooh, you man! Wow. Um. Yeah, I. I mean, I. I could see it. But I don't know if they want want to actually do it because you've got alumni and you got boosters, right? And and of course you got uh, all of us, and they're getting a lot of static. And whether or not they want to be able to deal with that static, if they decide to keep him there, that's going to be a that's going to be the thing. Um, I I I have to say he's probably done. Unfortunately for him, he yes. probably deserves better, but he's probably done. I tend to just going on predictions. You're probably right. I like to see Lake get more of a chance, but as you mentioned, it's just a whole different era with how much uh, space coaches are given with, with growing pains. So if, if Lake is gone, um, who would you like to see as the new Husky coach? It will not apparently be Jim Moore. He just got hired by UConn. Do you see that news yeah, drop today? I yeah, I did so, see that. So who, who would you like to see? Justin Wilcox's name is coming up. Who would you like to see as the Husky coach if Lake is Yeah, but Justin Wilcox has a losing record, you know, at, at Cal. So, you know, I, I don't know what the big deal uh, with him. Um to be honest, I don't really have a, a a coach in mind other than maybe, um, well, of course, everybody's saying that Ed Ogeron would be available because he's going to be leaving LSU. I would like to have him come up here for more of a, basically a consulting type deal um, to maybe, uh, you know, help get the program because he, he knows recruiting, right? So you would get you could get a guy like him to be like a, a consultant, and then perhaps you could get a coach like the coach out of Cincinnati uh, because he's in Cincinnati, right? They're not in a power conference. So I would I wouldn't m mind looking at him. I can't remember his name right off the top of my head. Um, a guy like that um, to be coerced to come to uh, a pack <laughs> pack five of oh, pack five a power conference. Uh, school so man I, you know um and there's let's see who else i you know for the guy in cincinnati and and orgeron are the two um I, I guess clay helton would be kind of a uh out there type thing um so i you know orgeron would be a fascinating guy from a regional standpoint a louisiana yeah. guy coming to, to coach university of washington seattle it's just you know, culturally, demographically, such a different situation in LSU right. in a lot of ways. But uh, and also, uh, Wake Forest's coach. You know, uh, they were you know before they lost last week, they were eight zero. You know, and and you know he's in the ACC, but the ACC for football is not the same as ACC in basketball, right? So they don't have the same type of um, uh, you know uh, whatever uh, the same type of reputation. So. 
you know, I would, yeah, you know, I wouldn't, I would be okay with getting somebody like him from that school, you know. Well, we're going to move on to another very uh, touchy subject. Uh, what's your, what are your thoughts on Mike Hopkins, the UW basketball coach, is under a lot of scrutiny right now. Just had a tough loss against Northern Illinois. Uh, I watched that game. Yeah, yeah, I didn't see any of it, but uh, I want to share with you what one of my recent guests, Eldridge Rakasner, former NBA player, I said. I asked Eldridge. Mm-hmm. All right, Washington's predicted by a lot of Pac-12 basketball pundits to probably be the 10th or 11th best team, the 12 teams right. in the Pac-12. I asked Eldridge, if Washington were to slightly over, overperform and be maybe the 7th or 8th best team in the Pac-12, would that save Hopkins' job? Eldridge thinks that probably would. What do you think? If they were to modestly overperform, would that be enough for Hopkins to save his job? Well, let me say this. Eldridge Krasner is a UW guy, right? And and he is an an ex NBA player, so his know how and knowledge is far exceeds mine. Well, mine right? as well. So, <laughs> so I'm not going to disagree to that extent. Um, Elder just claimed that if he does become like sixth, seventh, eighth, uh, that he'd keep his job. So I I won't I won't disagree with that. Yeah, that sounds plausible. Um, but the problem with Washington right now is they have no shooters, right, consistently, okay? And they play a zone that has holes constantly. They give up layup. They give up open threes. They have the guys that can play man-to-man. I don't understand why Hopkins refuses to change his defense, even if it's to change during a situation, right? Like, you're... Northern Illinois was killing him on threes. Man, go to man to man. Stop that. But he doesn't. You know, and so it's frustrating because we're saying the same thing with different players. We're we're seeing the poor defense. We're seeing the non-shooting. But you got all these new guys that have come in and nothing's changed. So if that's the case, then yeah, coaching's the problem. You really, you know, one of the reasons I enjoy listening to you, Ronald, is you, you break down the inside of sports. You're breaking down the zone. You know, a lot of very casual fans are not going to break down the, the man-to-man rotation versus zone rotation. So it's fun to hear you break it well, down. I, I, you're I like a surgeon, myself. you know, you're breaking it down deeply. So, <laughs> Well, I appreciate that. I But listen, I'm, I'm no expert by any stretch. I'm a casual friend like most of your listeners, our listeners. So I don't want people to think that, oh, this guy thinks he knows it. No, I don't. I don't know it all. All I know is what I've seen, right, throughout my 50-some-odd years of watching basketball and football and baseball and sports that I love. And so I have a lot of years of watching, so that's how I can break down some stuff. But well, no, sorry, so sure. You bring up some good points. All right, I'm, I'm going to ask you another question about UW, and we're going to probably move on to some other stuff in, the, in a couple okay. minutes. Uh, is Jen Cohn the right athletic director long-term for the University of Washington? Well, you know, maybe not for the big sports that we have, football, basketball. But, you know, people are saying, well, uh, our rowing team, volleyball team, softball team, all these other minor sports are doing excellent. So you have to, you have to, you have to think, okay, those are doing great, but the money-making opportunities for sports are the ones that we're failing at. I mean, because 
what what makes the money for UW? Basketball and football, right? But those other sports, yeah, they do well in, and and it's commendable, and and I love that. I love that we have probably the best rowing team ever, you know, throughout the nation. But they're not bringing in the money, right? UW Huskies football team, when you go to a bowl game, you you bring in money. When you play in the NCAA tournament, you're bringing in money. So I don't think she's the one. I don't have I don't I don't have a a, a person to to fill in because I'm not that savvy or I'm not into who is a good AD right now. But clearly, right as this uh, of this moment, I don't think she's the right one for this particular university. It's interesting how timing is such a big deal with so many things in life. I had Jen Cohn on my show in about early 2018. At the time, she was seen as one of the best ADs in the country. In 2016, Washington got the Final Four in football. Hopkins was starting off splendidly as the new coach in basketball. And So is she, in a way, just maybe it's bad timing? Is that part of it with Cohn? Because clearly the Washington basketball team – and the football team have done well since she's been the athletic director. Are those unfair points? Yes. yes. People forget that Hopkins won coach of the year his first two years. Here. Right, right. Oh, so we can't forget that. Um, but, of course, what is the what is the main thing they say when, about that, though? Well, he won with Romar's guy. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, you know, and then, of course, uh, the thing that killed Washington football the last couple of years is Chris Peterson leaving. If Chris Peterson was still here, would we be in this situ- situation and predicament? I'd say no. I'd say we'd be better off in recruiting, right? Uh, the team would be doing much better. Um, we probably wouldn't have Dylan Moore starting at quarterback because he's definitely a problem, uh, whether people agree or not. And so things would be a little bit different. And then, of course, having said that, then Jen Cohen's situation would be a lot smoother. But when Chris Peterson left, that just took everything. You know, that's a domino effect because then now even Washington basketball now has been 5-21 and 21 last year. Right? Not acceptable, yeah. No. And then this year now, you know, they win their, their uh, exhibition game by 30. But then, you know, a middle-of-the-road – Husky team from Northern Illinois comes in and puts it to him. You know, the leash is short for him, for sure. And that seat is going to be hotter and hotter. So, you know, for all of them, you know, Lake, Hopkins, and Jen Cohen. Lot there, lot there. Uh, yeah. Paul Schneiderman again on sport, the Sports Untold podcast, 104th edition with uh, Renault. Renault being... Um, all right, I'm going to do a little shift here. We could talk Husky sports for this whole episode, but I want to move around a bit. And uh, I'm going to ask you two questions that I've been asking almost all my guests since about late 2019. And the first question is, Renault, who's a deceased sports figure in history you would have loved to have interviewed or had a conversation with? And who is a living sports figure you would love to interview or have a conversation with? I can give you some names if you want. Um, well, the other guests have given me. <laughs> Well, of course, a deceased one would be Muhammad Ali because he would be such an interesting person just to talk to. And I found out uh, recently that um, I'm related to him distantly, of course. And so wow. that made, yeah. 
And so, you know, that really would pique my interest. You got some strong genes there. Wow. <laughs> Unfortunately, not the same type. Because <laughs> I'm not a boxer. <laughs> I don't have cool. Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, so definitely Muhammad Ali. And as far as a living one, um, you know, you're probably going to be surprised, but it would be George Iceman Gervin, because that was my guy growing up. And I loved him. George loved, Gervin. Yeah, I loved seeing him, you know, on TV. You know, I know he's coaching big three and all that. But, man, I want to talk to him and just talk about his days of growing up in Detroit and, you know, and, and, and being in the ABA. Oh, man, I would love that. You know, there's a Gervin's uh, restaurant at the San Antonio airport. So at the San oh, Antonio, wow. yeah, there's a, it has put all these pictures of George Gervin. And so I, uh, in a couple of years ago, I was in San Antonio. I had a, had a little uh, meal at the, I think it's called Gervin's at the San Antonio airport. So that, that's, that's a great name. And you know, what's fun about, you know, George Gervin, I believe he's a hall of famer, absolutely a top oh, yeah. player, but I like that answer that he's not the biggest basketball household name. So it's fun that you gave no. a name of someone who was a very accomplished, great player, but may not Absolutely. be the biggest name. And so I, I, that's right. the reason why I like that answer. So fun, fun. Well, let's have a little Mariners talk. Um, oh, yeah. They were they were in the playoff chase till about the eighth inning of their 162nd game. I think it was on Sunday, <laughs> October 3rd. Were you pretty pumped up during that oh, yeah. uh, Mariners run in late September, October? Yes, absolutely. I mean, we needed that, right? Because, you know, the Mariners, as, as everyone knows, if you follow baseball, haven't been in the playoffs in 20 years. As a matter of fact, uh, that franchise has been, has probably the longest drought, if I'm not mistaken, or top two. So, you know, this September was quite exciting. I mean, I haven't seen people this pumped up for the Mariners since, what, 2001, when they won 116 games. So, yes. And now this offseason is definitely the biggest offseason probably in their history because you know now the expectation they won 90 games right and they still got some work to do um you know they they had they had to say goodbye to kyle seaver with seager excuse me which is no surprise but he was a big integral part of this past season but they need they need they need a stud pitcher right they need, they need a guy that can come in every five days and shut you down. Because a stud pitcher, what they do is they stop losing streaks if you're on one, you know? Because uh, if they're pitching every five days, if you get a three- or four-game losing streak, that's it, you know, for most of the season as long as he's healthy. So they need a stud pitcher. And then, of course, uh, I think Chris Flexen really showed something this, this season. So if he can be the same – uh, they could be they could be something to be reckoned with, and of course they've got some position areas they need to work on, and of course Kyle Lewis if he comes back. So yeah, it, but I'm excited because you know the free agency's coming up, and you know they're it's excited about maybe Marcus Simeon or or Carlos Correa, somebody like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Let's Chris go. Bryant, hey. Nelson Cruz, a lot of names are coming yeah. up. Yeah, I'll tell you, but I'll tell you, um, when we found out that Ken Griffey Jr is bought a stake in the Mariners, I got really excited because Ken Griffey is not a guy that's going to be in the background, okay, like the Mariners owners have been. He is going to be front and center, and he's going to want whoever he wants to be on that team, he's going to try and go after him. 
And that's what I, that's what should excite everyone that uh, Ken Griffey's back in the fold and really want to be an integral part of this uh, team again. Do you know what his percentage cut is, Ronald? Is it one or two percent, or do you have any idea what his actual share I is? I haven't. I ha you know what? I haven't even read that. You're right. I was so excited to hear it. I was like, oh man, I don't need to read anything else. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned the idea the Mariners going after like a big dog picture. Should they should they go for sure like guy like Max Scherzer? Would you like to see him just just go all out for one of these veteran starters? What do you think? I love Scherzer, but the problem is, you know, can he stay healthy? You know, and plus he's what, thirty seven or so, I think. Yeah, he's up there. So man it, But, you know, it depends. If you could get a good if you get a good deal for him. You know, you got you to gotta get him because he's that guy. But, you know, but they got to get it. But they got to get a guy. They got to get a stud. I don't know who else is out there right off the top of my head. Um, but somebody like Scherzer, yeah, if, if he's available for the right price, yeah, you got to get him. It's a real jigsaw puzzle for Jerry DePoto and what to do. It's a very, it's very tricky. You know, the M's payroll from 2016 to 2019 was in the 140, 160 million range per year. Yeah. You know, it was down to 73 million last year. So they got yeah. some spending money, don't they? They do. And, and, and they got, now they got, now with the progress that they've made, they, they can actually go out and get like a Marcus Simeon, right? Because now they know that they're there. They're right there. You know, the Astros are still the, the standard in the AL West. But the Mariners, even though the Astros blew them out a few times, the Mariners, what changed for me as far as my thinking of the Mariners was, was, of course, other than Ken Griffey. But before that, during the season, the Astros had the Mariners blown out like 11-7 to 7 or something like that. And the Mariners came back and won that game. And it was down in Houston where they always had problems. That made me realize that, hey, this team is changing. They're on the way up. And then so I'm looking at maybe the AL West start to be uh, owned by the Mariners in the next year or two. It's just so frustrating with the Mariners. They've had these respectable years the last 20 years. They've won like 87 games and right. 93 games in 02. They win 90 games this year and they don't make the playoffs. The Braves win 88 and win the whole thing. It's just yeah. it's sort of like I call the Mariners like the Charlie Brown of pro teams. Nothing always seems to go right for Charlie Brown, you know. So I'm hoping yeah. we can, hoping uh, they can they can step it up, you know, in I the like 2020s. That yeah. Well, um, hey, uh, Renault, I want to get your take on this, and I don't think Major League Baseball, you know, Major League Baseball has some labor issues going on right now too. So there could be a lockout uh, to start the season next year. But but Major League Baseball has still not decided if they're going to have the universal DH and that, or the DH to be out of the National League. Where do you stand on that? Well, yeah, I, I like the DH. Well, I'm an American League guy, okay? I'm going to be honest. I like the American League. Mariners in the American League. Uh, my favorite team, the Yankees, are in the American League. So I, I'm an AL guy. So, yeah, I love I love the uh, DH. I would like to see the DH in, in uh, the National League. Now, I get that the baseball purists um, like – the decisions that the managers have to make when you take out a pitcher, then you got to have a pinch hitter and all that. And then you got to have position changes. You got a new center fielder coming in. I get all that. That's, that's fine. But to be honest, most people want to see offense, right? I mean, let's be honest. They, they want to see home runs, doubles, 
they, they want to see that. So, and, and with the DH, you'll get more of that. So that, you know, I, I'm all for it, but I'm also okay if National League says, no, nah, we're not doing that. We're still going to be uh, without the DH. I'm okay because we've lived with it this long. It ain't going to hurt anything else any further. It's fun for the fans to see some of these guys like in their late 30s and 40s continue to play. So in that sense, it's fan-friendly. But I have to admit, though, that there is some fasting strategy that can come when the pitcher hits, though, too. You know, whether yeah. to take the pitcher out in the seventh, eighth inning, all that stuff. So I, I, it, 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 it's one of those subjects I'm actually have kind of an agnostic view on, to tell you the truth. But I guess I would slightly lean towards having the DH, but I... Um, I don't know, and I have my American League roots too, being a Mariners fan. But yeah, but uh, all right, Renault. Um, what would be your favorite sports movie? And I tell you how I got this question. I have a book that came out in two thousand six. I've asked a few other guests the same question, and this guy picks his top favorite movies. Granville really challenged this, by the way. This guy picked oh. his top favorite movies as The Hustler of Paul Newman, Bull Durham. This Sporting Life with Richard Harris came out in 1963 about rugby. Number four was Chariots of Fire. Number five is Raging Bull. Uh, Granville and some other my other guests did not like that list. Uh, what would be your favorite sports movie? Well, you know, <laughs> I'm not. I don't really like them too much, to be honest. Um, but I, one that I used to watch all the time when I was a teenager, and that was One on One with Robbie Benson. Mm-hmm. That was good. I used to watch that so much because. It, it got into the details of what college sports is like for a guy that gets a scholarship, but things don't work out as planned. That's and a good I, one. I found that fascinating because those you don't see movies like that, right? You you just didn't get that. You always get these feel good, you know, superstar whatever right off and everything works out fine no not for this guy he came from a small town playing basketball was state champ was better than everybody got to got to la and it was too big for him you know and then he lost his focus and then you know but you know if you've never seen that movie i suggest you know if you're a, a fan of basketball especially to watch that movie it's yeah it's made in 77 so it's a little cheesy looking but trust me, it's a great movie, and I love that it. That is a great sports movie to throw out. I don't think I've seen that since, like, the late 70s or 80s, so I may have to rewatch <laughs> that one. But I, I, I mentioned to a couple other guests, I like The Natural. I liked Hoop Dreams. I liked Any Given right. Sunday with Al Pacino. Those are a couple of my favorites. Rocky right. movies I liked, but anyhow. Um, yeah, Hoop I, Dreams I, amazing. That's a great, great documentary. Great documentary. Granville was funny. He, he, he said, The Hustler of Paul Newman is a pool movie even legitimately a sports movie? I would argue it is, but Granville thought that a, a pool movie is pushing it as even being a sports movie. That was so, our, our, that was Granville's take. All right. Um, having so much fun. Paul Schneiderman, host of Sports Untold, 104th edition with Renault Bean. Just having just a great discussion of a range of sports topics. Um, all right, I'm going to read you what Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said about Aaron Rodgers. I want to get your take on this, Renal. Oh, okay. Jabbar said Aaron Rodgers' ignorance regarding the science of immunology brings back the old stereotype of the big dumb jock. His utter lack of even the most basic knowledge and logic is shocking. What's your take on Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's take on Aaron Rodgers' uh, COVID uh, behavior? Yeah, I you know I actually read that a uh, few days ago, and yeah, I I can't disagree. I mean, you know, Aaron Rodgers, 
he's he, he's just making a mockery of this whole thing, his attitude and 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 what what he says, and it's just very disheartening, because you know people, you know, look at these guys, unfortunately, uh, you know, as uh, you know heroes, I guess, for lack of a better word, but you got to realize these guys are people, and just because you're talented at a certain thing doesn't make you either a good person or or a bad person very true it just makes you, it just makes you human and you can't get lost in the fact that some of these guys don't have all the answers don't have all the facts and 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 just go by um who they think would that they agree with like he said he was getting his information off of joe rogan a po from a podcast okay that sounds silly. By the way, Lucius brings up Joe Rogan to me a lot, so I'm kind of chuckling. So, <laughs> yeah. So you know, he said that. And I'm like, well, dude, what are you, what are you doing, right? And then, of course, so he says that. Then the person that's following him, what are they saying? <laughs> you know, it's crazy to me. Hey, we talked earlier about whether Jimmy Lake's suspension was a little overkill. I think we both. I have similar views on that. What do you think of of Rogers getting with his million dollar plus contract getting a fourteen thousand dollar six hundred dollar fine for his stoking of misinformation about COVID nineteen oh, vaccines? Joke. What do you think of that fine? Just fourteen it's grand a and change. The joke for one thing. Yeah. Uh, Alan Lazard got the same thing, right? Who's that? Now, Ram who's that, Ronald? Uh, Alan Lazard is one of his wide receivers. Okay. Okay. Green Bay Packers. Right. He got the same fine. Okay. Now their contracts are vastly different. So you're hitting up Alan Lazar for fourteen thousand, right? Which could hurt your pocket a little bit, but for Aaron Rodgers, that fourteen ain't hurting nothing. Right. And then then you got C.D. Lamb, for the Dallas Cowboys, was fined twenty thousand dollars for having his shirt untucked. Now what? That, that, that doesn't even make any sense. How this guy is violated COVID protocols, which could be what life threatening. Because people, you have to realize, just because you're strong and healthy and you get COVID and you survive, that doesn't mean that the person you give it to will have the same outcome. There are people out there that have weak immune systems, and if you give them COVID, they will die, right? So you can't be nonchalant about not wearing a mask in the facility like you're supposed to, not wearing a mask in uh, pressers like you're supposed to or you should, right? And you should not make a mockery on whether you're not, whether or not you are vaccinated by changing the word to, yeah, I'm immunized. And then complain to, to the media that they didn't ask a follow-up question about uh, whether he's actually vaccinated. He wasn't being forthcoming. Yeah, that, that's, that's evident. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, yeah. You know, one thing, Ronald, I in this whole pandemic era that I'm noticing and now we're entering the vaccine part of this era which began like late 2020 early 2021 it seems like there's a lot of institutions and organizations that they're just very lukewarm about enforcement do you think you think this that Rogers getting a pretty minimal fine is an indicator all the National Football League may be very ambivalent about COVID policies in the first place just food for thought yeah uh, more than likely but, but Paul I got a question yeah um, if Lamar Jackson had the same 
situation with him, right? And it's not Aaron Rodgers. Would he would he have the same penalty? Do you think? Honestly. Well, yeah. I mean, being a person of color, there's obviously some discrimination that can occur. That that's an interesting hypothetical, and yeah. uh, um, you, you you just have to wonder if 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 how what the reaction would have been. So yeah, um, I, yeah I don't I don't think thing. that's an unfair question. So, um. I got one more COVID subject for you, and mm-hmm. I can't, you know, I can't help it. We have to talk on a, on a sports policy based show. I have to talk some COVID stuff Absolutely. in this era. Um, UC Berkeley has one of the strictest COVID policies of any of any uh, university regarding college sports in the country, and I believe their game against Southern Cal is either being canceled or rescheduled in December because I guess there was like about 44 cases of COVID hit Cal's football program over the last 10 days or so. Okay. I'm going to read you something. There's mm-hmm. this physician, a Dr. Monica Gandhi. She's an infectious disease expert, UCSF. And I, you know, I like to give different perspectives on this show. And here's mm-hmm. what she says. She says, I have zero panic whatsoever as a public health person, as an infectious disease doctor of 44 healthy people who are fully vaccinated, who may have a little virus in their nose on a highly sensitive test. She also says she doesn't think it's an outbreak. She thinks it's a sign the vaccines are working. She says that with asymptomatic testing, it's not a surprise that some people would have a positive test. Um, what do you think of what Dr. Gandhi has to say? And is the UC Berkeley COVID policy going too far? Well, we know what happened last year in California, right? With the, with the COVID and, and the players, they couldn't even play in their own state. You know, uh, especially in basketball, they couldn't even play in their own arena. They had to play every game on the road. Right. So I am not going to question doctor's uh, assessment because I am not a doctor. Uh, I'm just, you know, I'm just a observer from what I've seen. And if she said, you know, and, you know, I spoke about uh, healthy athletes, uh, you know, with strong immune system. So. Man, I, I, but I, but I also wouldn't make it, make light of it either, right? I mean, you're talking 44 players. That's a significant number to me. You know, if it was 14, maybe I'm like, okay, not so bad. But we're talking, what? How many people are? How many players are on a college football team? 80 or 90 or something like that. So that's what 45 plus staff, too. Yeah, plus staff. So that's a high percentage. So that's a problem. And yes, they did uh, move the game to December fourth, as a matter of fact. So, but of course, pending COVID uh, tests on that, you know, that might get canceled too. So, one man, thing, I, yeah. and I'm not a doctor either, obviously, but one one, yeah. one thing I've noticed in this whole in these these COVID discussions, it seems like most infectious disease experts are pretty conservative in how they evaluate COVID outbreaks. It's just kind of interests me. This particular doctor took it that Berkeley was going too far and that these asymptomatic young people having a little bit of the virus in their nose wasn't that big of a deal. So it's, to me, it was kind of a contrary position. Yeah. yeah I'm, I had a doctor's appointment last month, and my doctor and I spoke about COVID at length. And I was pretty shocked at how... Uh, how he, you know, when, you know you, when you're talking about... When you see Dr. Fauci on there giving his, his doom speeches or his this... And then I spoke to my own doctor, and he was nowhere near any of that. He was more like the doctor uh, that you described as far as being, uh, you know, oh, you'll be fine. You know, you just, 
you know, you're vaccinated because he said, he said, yeah, you're vaccinated in this and that and the other. I wouldn't worry so much. But I was like, okay, but what about people that don't have strong immune system, right? If those 40 people get around other people that aren't, you know, as healthy or strong, then we could actually have a serious breakout. So to me, I, I would show, I would think they would show a little bit more concern than they do. But, I hear what you're saying, and I, I, I just wanted to give a kind of a contrary perspective here on, on the Berkeley, uh, UC Berkeley decision. Now, kind of interesting, I have to focus on myself too much, but early October, my primary care doctor said, oh, Paul, hold off on the booster. But when I called him back early November to get his opinion again, he said, yeah, go get a booster. So it seems like things that are just evolving so much. Right. Yeah, yeah. How, what they, how to handle this stuff. Um, you got time for a few more questions? Absolutely. Great. Well, having, having a good time or not. Um, I got to tell you, I am not a hockey expert. I don't know much about power plays or about hockey <laughs> zones, and I, I barely understand the icing rule. But but I'll tell you, I'm really enjoying this crack, the crack, and I've gone to a couple games. I'm watching them. I'm getting really oh. into this. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So anyhow, uh, the, you know the Nate Silver 538 Predictions website? Do you ever take a look at that site? It's, I haven't. Yeah, it's fun. It, it, a lot of, he started off his political site, but now he has a lot of sport. His site has a lot of sports predictions and predictions and other things. So he has the Kraken right now, or they have the Kraken having a 19% chance of making the playoffs. And they rank the Kraken about 24 of the 32 teams. So we, I think bad. we start off, not bad, I think we start off in the middle. Uh, so the team, you know, the team's, uh, what, like 4-7-1 right now, something like that. So here's yeah. my question for Renault. If the Kraken were to sneak in the playoffs their first season, how big a Seattle sports story would it be? Would it be as big or even bigger in the Hawks making the playoffs or maybe even bigger in the Mariners finally getting back? How do you quantify it if the Kraken were to get in the Seattle sports landscape? It wouldn't be as big as the Hawks. It would be kind of somewhere, uh, probably somewhere in the middle uh, because, you know, look, Vegas went to the Stanley Cup their first year and nobody's expecting the Kraken to do that. Um, just to be in the playoffs would be amazing. Getting the you dance know? at least, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, there would be some buzz, but I don't think it would be anything near uh, when the Hawks make the playoffs or even if the Mariners get up there, you know, to finally uh, break through and make the playoffs. That would be ridiculous. It'd be kind of cool if they could sneak in. Even if the Kraken got in their second year, that'd be pretty cool. I mean, fun oh, to see yeah, them get in this sure. year. But but are you enjoying Are you getting more into hockey? Are you enjoying it and stuff? you enjoy um, the Kraken? Well, see, I used to live on the East Coast, right? Right. And so I lived in New Jersey for almost 20 years. And so I, right. I kind of have an affinity to the uh, New Jersey Devils. And I've been to a few of those games, and they were – listen, folks have not been to a hockey game and just watch it on TV – it does not compare. You can, I, I'm telling you, you have to go to a game live to, or in order to fully get the full extent and enjoyment of what NHL hockey. And if you do that, then when you watch on TV, it'll even enhance that because now you'll know what's going on. Maybe you'll understand better if you actually go to a game. I could not agree more. It's a heck of an in-person sport to watch. Watching those guys oh, yeah. slam against the wall and and it, it's just a great, watch them skate around. I really enjoyed watching it in person. It's a it's right. a great sport. Couldn't agree more. I think it's. I want to get the NBA back, but having hockey here um, is is. I would say it's beyond a consolation prize. It's a great winter American winter sport to have here at the NHL. Absolutely. So, 
So, well, this may be my final question, Renault, for you. And I and I, I hope to have you back one day. Maybe I can have you co-host with me at some point. So it's fun Anytime. to fun to get you on. <laughs> um, so now with the Climate Pledge Arena, um open now and going and there's been some concerts there and people are really enjoying it. I think the parking has its challenges in Queen Anne, but people are enjoying it. Do you think the soda arena plan is dead or is it on life support right now? I'd say life support. Um, I wish, but you know, I talk about this with my friend, Michael Carter all the time. We, we don't feel that the climate pledge was the best choice. Uh, I, I listen. I understand that the arena is probably fabulous, and I'm actually going to be there uh, at the end of the month because Trevor Noah's coming to town, and I, we've got uh, tickets for that. Great. So I'm looking looking forward to actually seeing the arena and seeing the show and all that. But you know, I thought that Soto Arena plan was probably the best because look, there's transportation all over the place at, in Soto. You got bus, you got train, tra- uh, train, right? everything right there and with the climate pledge you still have to go downtown west lake still have to ride the little monorail now i understand that they've got a pretty good herding system as far as getting on to you know in and out of the monorail but i don't see how they can just get all those people and then of course the, the parking as you already mentioned in queen anne has always been a challenge so i just don't understand what the big well i do understand is because it's city owned but <laughs> yeah, duh. But you know, I I just you know I don't see how the Soto Arena would have had any problems with the port traffic because you got I five and all these different uh, throughways through there and like I said, bus and, and 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 light rail and all that. And that would have been a much better uh, venue option to me. But I think I think it is on life support, Paul. Well, I was pro Soto Arena too. I thought it was the better of, 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 of the two options that were being discussed for several years. But I will say this. I don't want um, the perfect to be the enemy of the good. I think overall it's still a good major indoor arena that was constructed. So that's kind of where I'm at on it now. Hey, look, you know, so. if, if that's where the Sonics can come back to, I'm all for it. You know, because I want them back. And I'm hopeful that, you know, I like. I haven't heard anything about whether Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, has actually been up here to take a tour. I would like, I would think that Seattle would invite him to do that, right? Take a tour of the arena, take a look at it, see what you show that, show them the renderings of how basketball would look there. And look, Seattle was successful for 41 years. Why wouldn't you come back here? I mean, they've been to Charlotte twice. <laughs> what the heck? New Orleans? Why not Seattle? A lot of talk is percolating the NBA is going to come back at some point this decade. And I, 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 I talk to people that seem to have a lot of optimism that have a little more inside knowledge than I have. But we'll we'll just have to see. One thing, Renaud, I want to mention to you, and this could be a real game changer to how people evaluate um, the Soto Arena plan versus the, the um, Remodel Arena now at the Seattle Center, is apparently by 2035, light rail is going to get to the Seattle Center. And some are wondering if with this new infrastructure plan that Biden got through with $8 billion plus billion coming to Washington State, maybe, maybe it could be expedited. So maybe light rail will get the CL Center a little earlier. Just food for thought. So, oh, that would help for yeah, sure. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Right, right. We'll see. We'll see. Well, Renault, just great to have a chat on all sorts of sports topics. What a great uh, hour we've had. And thanks for coming on Sports Untold. And you and I will definitely be in touch. 
Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Likewise. You take care. I'll see you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.